0: Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. Today's show is sponsored by Mikasa Home Inspections, Calgary's top-rated home inspection company. Mikasa understands that the highest quality of service is essential, so make sure to call Mikasa before your next real estate deal. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, I had a great interview with Ann French today. She's a realtor in Lethbridge, who is also investment focused. In this show, we start off from a really high level view about the Lethbridge market, and then we do a deeper dive into all things Lethbridge from an investment perspective. If you've been thinking about investing in Lethbridge, I'm sure you'll get a lot of value from the show and you'll want to reach out to Anne. Hope you enjoy. It. Hi, morning Ann. I just wanted to welcome you to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. Awesome to have you on the show.
1: Thanks so much, Corey. I appreciate being here.
0: Hey, great. Let's start off by if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate investing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started as a real estate agent about three years ago. And from there, just sort of my interest in the rental market here in Lethbridge, as well as just being in that sphere as a landlord, those types of things started to come to my interest. And as I worked with more and more investors, I got to sort of learn from them. And from there, I kind of decided to start investing. So
0: awesome. Was it like a house hack that kind of got you going? How did it actually light bulb go off to kind of start into the investment world?
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate enough. My very first house that I purchased, my grandfather co-signed for. And so that sort of got me on the right path at a very young age. I think I bought that house when I was like 22 or something like that. And so being able to buy my first house that young, I was able to then save up quite a bit of money. And just from there, I was like, well, it makes sense for me to rent out this current property that I'm living in and sort of buy my next one. And so it just kind of spiraled and snowballed. And I watched what other people were doing that had a little bit more experience than me. I have some particular clients that are high up in the investing world and have like hundreds of properties, for example. And so that was really fun for me to see and get to sort of know what I liked about real estate investing because every investor does it differently and every investor looks for different things when they're purchasing a home.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's great. So you're in the Lethbridge market. So this podcast is actually going to be focused on all things Lethbridge and real estate investing. If we could just kind of start off maybe with like that 10,000 foot view of Lethbridge for someone that maybe isn't that familiar with the city.
1: Sure. So Lethbridge has a population of just over 100,000 people, thereabouts, plus or minus a bit, I guess, every year. We don't grow super quickly like a Calgary or an Edmonton. So we're more of like a small town city is sort of how I would describe it. Lethbridge has a lot of amenities, you know, different normal things like golf courses and movie theaters and malls and things of that nature. But we're mostly driven by the fact that we have both a college and a university in our city. And so, lots and lots of students from all over Canada are coming to Lethbridge to go to the University of Lethbridge or go to Lethbridge College because both of them are very well known for their programs, their teachers, things of that nature. So
0: yeah, yeah, obviously located in southern Alberta, so the yes, do you guys still get the Chinooks and stuff like we get in Calgary? you're gonna in the we time. do.
1: Yeah, we get them quite a bit, actually. So it's been snowy here lately, but the Chinooks are coming. So they'll sort of clear out our streets and everything. It's really nice.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's great when they come. So you talk about the University the College. What other economic drivers are there for Lethbridge, for industries?
1: Absolutely. So there's three sides to Lethbridge. So there's the north side, the south side and the west side. There's no east side. We don't have like an east side of Lethbridge, which is kind of interesting. On the north side of Lethbridge, there's a lot of large factories. And so those are like the Lay's factory or McMahon Foods, those large, large factories. So they make the French fries for everywhere or they make the chips for everywhere. And so those factories have a ton of workers, obviously, and they drive sort of the economy and the industry here. We're also close to Coaldale, which is like originally like a coal mining sort of area and location. So we have lots of blue collar workers as well that, you know, will drive up to the oil patches or to the coal fields or whatever the case may be. So we have a lot of different jobs around Lethbridge, which makes it very easy for the economy to continue forward at like a steady pace here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And those will be good paying jobs, those type of plant jobs, right? To drive the economy. And I'm sure they've been there for a lot of years, those industries. Yes, yeah. When we were chatting offline, you had talked about there's kind of a proposal for a new bridge in Lethbridge. Obviously, it's going to change the infrastructure, that kind of stuff. If you could kind of explain some of the details behind that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our current mayor, he sort of ran on the platform that he wanted another bridge between the south side and the west side. And so that bridge would connect from the south side, just behind sort of like our Costco area is my understanding across to Riverstone, which is a brand new up-and-coming neighborhood. It's done very, very well development-wise. Lots of families have decided to move there, but it's very far west. And so because of that, they're sort of disconnected from the amenities that are rich on the south side, the Costco, the Walmart, the Superstore, all those types of things. And they're starting to build their own amenities on the west side. That's a booming area now as well. But because they want a little bit more connection to the south side and ease of access for commuters for their jobs, he's taken the approach that he'd like to build this bridge. Now, of course, this is a massive undertaking. I don't even have a guess on how many millions of dollars it would cost for him to build this bridge. But the proposal is, is that if he does that, the property taxes everywhere for everyone would go up significantly over the next several years.
0: Oh, interesting. So then there's going to be people obviously for it, people against it in the community, right?
1: Exactly. Lots of people against it because they already can't afford many things, as we're seeing a lot of inflation, of course, in the economy right now. Groceries are crazy, housing prices are crazy, and interest rates are crazy. So they're a little bit nervous about having another expense added to their plates. But then lots of people for it because of, like I say, the ease of access between the South and the West side and the possibility of more amenities being quickly added to the West side.
0: And would that be tied into like a ring road then? So you got the bridge and it's going to be a highway structure as well that would bring people in and around. Is that the plan? Or do you know?
1: I'm not honestly not sure on that. It pretty much ties my understanding from one neighborhood to the other, but it's possible.
0: They must, so. they must be tying in some other larger roads you would think. Right? Road,
1: yeah. yeah. They might be using the main access from the South to the West right now is scenic drive. And then it, sort of turns into whoop hill. and that whoop hill is the current bridge used by most people going from the south to the west and so they might be somehow tying into scenic drive is my thought maybe but
0: if it were to happen I know in Calgary when the ring road was completed people were kind of pre-buying in some of these areas that were you know the values were almost depressed because they're difficult to access so some yeah. communities saw actually a, an increase in value because of the infrastructure do you see that maybe happening in some of those communities
1: I think it could be possible. The thing is, is that where they have those two locations sort of scheduled for the start and the end of the bridge are actually already areas that are booming with real estate Mm -hmm. purchases and prices. And so I would assume, yeah, it probably would increase them even slightly more, but like they're already doing quite well in both of those neighborhoods.
0: I see. And then student rentals, I kind of want to maybe touch on that because obviously having college university, are you seeing many investors you know set up student rentals for cash flow, better cash flow.
1: Tons. Yeah, that's sort of the main reason why you would or one of the main reasons why an investor would buy a property here in Lethbridge. So the south side and the west side are the two areas where most people will purchase their rental properties. Of course there's lots of rentals on the north side as well, but because the north side is more farther removed from the university and the college, it's less utilized by investors, I find. And so around that college area, there's a ton of rentals. And same with around the university, it's predominantly rentals in that area.
0: Okay. And then is there a specific property type that you see? Like people will, obviously condos can be good if it's walking distance, that kind of thing, right? What's kind of a great property to pick up for a student rental if it's close to the university?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, close to the university, there are a lot of condo rentals. However, that's not the direction that I recommend my clients go ever, and we can talk about that later. But there is a ton of condo rentals. There is also a lot of just like single family detached suited properties around that area. So, lots of people like those up down suited properties with or without a garage, either way is good. And on the south side, I find it's more single family detached homes around the college. And so lots of those are utilized by investors, as well as just like, once again, the suited properties. There's not a lot of condos or townhouses around the college.
0: Okay. I have been there. I've been to Left Bridge, and it doesn't seem like it's very far distance from the condos to even like the detached properties. Like it's yeah. pretty close, right? It's not really spread out too far.
1: No, they're sort of mixed in the same neighborhoods.
0: And can you speak to what kind of cash flow that would look like on a typical, let's say you had a detached property, maybe three bedrooms up two bedrooms down is it kind of per room that you would kind of estimate you know the amount
1: yeah so it depends which direction you're going but if you're renting to university students typically it's about 400 to 600 dollars per room for college or university students if you're renting to more of like a couple or a single family or something in that upstairs and downstairs suites then probably a three bedroom would go for around 1500 plus half utilities and downstairs would be around that thousand plus half utilities, give or take. And also quite depending upon the finishes of your home and, you know, how new it is, what it looks like, whatever. But I mean, that's sort of a rough
0: estimate R- Rough you. estimate, And those yeah. those are lower than you would say, like, see if someone's listening from Ontario or something. I think they're getting a thousand plus per room right now in some of these places for student rentals. But your actual price for the home is going to be lower as well. So what kind
1: Significantly. of... Significantly.
0: Yeah, like a benchmark price for you know, maybe a 1200 square foot home, something that could work well as a student rental, what kind of numbers would you see there?
1: If you look at the average prices for a single family detached homes, they've been around 330 to 360 at the peak of our market. So if that gives you an idea, like it's not that expensive to own a home here, and those would be probably like four bedroom, two and a half, maybe even three bathroom
0: properties
1: would be in that price range.
0: With a garage so, as well? Or? Yeah,
1: you could get a garage now probably in that price range. It would be more of like a detached garage or a single attached garage. But yeah, you definitely could for sure.
0: Nice, because that could also be another rental. You could rent a garage Absolutely. Separately for cash flow. Any thoughts on properties, you know, that you would maybe advise your clients to stay away from as an investment in Lethbridge? Or is there anything where you're like, oh, that was just, you know, learning and maybe not the greatest property to buy?
1: yeah no that's a great question so just me personally i don't love condos for rental purposes the reason is because the condominiums here many many of them are extremely old and so lots of them just even in this last couple of years have done significant condo cost increases so you sort of with condos you never know when they're going to raise your condo fees right so that's always a bit of a danger as an investor especially you work on like fixed numbers or you try to anyway, so that you know exactly how much cash flow you're getting out of each property every month. So it's a little bit unpredictable when you don't know where the condo fees are going to go the following year. The other thing too, is that they don't add much value. In my opinion, most of the condos around here just do like your basic snow removal, basic lawn care, exterior building maintenance. And many of them are just like run and operated by the condo board, the people inside living in the condo. So lots of them don't even have professional management. Some of them do though. So I don't find that they add a lot of attention or detail or whatever for the money that you're paying every single month. And so I personally would rather buy a townhouse that has no condo fees and then be able to just do my own lawn care snow removal or have my tenants do that and maybe give them $25 off or something like that per month in order for them to take care of those types of items.
0: Yeah, yeah, great answers because obviously you get a special assessment that comes in or the condo fees go up and it just totally changes the numbers, right? Yeah. And then how cyclical is the left bridge economy? You know, Calgary is kind of known to be hot and cold, right? We're kind of getting, I think, more stable now, but have you guys also seen that with say the oil prices, that kind of thing, where the economy pulls back or?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I would say we see some of that, but generally speaking, Southern Alberta is considered a plateau market. And so we have always just been sort of steady eddy. and like, you know, every year, no matter if it's spiking or crashing, Lethbridge seems to stay pretty stable, which is really nice. And that's because we don't see those massive spike in home prices. Like we always just sort of stay the same. That's just always been the way it has been. So.
0: And any like word on different industries or tech or anything? Is there anything coming to Lethbridge that you've heard for new development?
1: Sure. So the one that I am, am aware of is there's a massive condo project actually going in just off of Scenic Drive, like sort of in between the south side and the north side there. And it's going to be huge and it's beautiful. I think they've almost sold out the entire building, but that's projected people are going to be getting in there in about end of 2024, 2025, something like that. And it's going to overlook the coolies. So it's a very neat location. They have tons of amenities planned for that building. The units are fairly expensive for what we see in Lethbridge. So they're very, very high end, nice units.
0: Cause I don't have the map up, but how close would that be to say that if you were looking at buying for a student rental, do you think there's going to be impacts to the rental market when this condo comes online?
1: No. So this condo, for the most part, I've talked to lots of people that have purchased units in there. For the most part, I would say older, like retirement sort of people are moving into that condo or like a professional couple or something like that. I don't think any will be used as rentals in that particular building. But I could be wrong.
0: I see. That's good to know. And then as an investor, as a realtor in Lethbridge, what would you say is an attractive property, either if you were buying for yourself or your client was buying?
1: Yeah, I really do like the up, down, suited properties. And of course, they have their pluses and minuses as well. And then I also just like the townhouses. There's a particular townhouse row on the west side that my husband and I really like. No condo fees, very easy maintenance, built in the early 2000s. So there's not tons of stuff to fix or repair or anything yet. And so those townhouses are, in particular, something that I really like and encourage my friends and other clients to purchase as well.
0: Nice. Yeah. You just kind of touched on it briefly there, but if we could just maybe dig into the secondary suites, every municipality is different how they view secondary suites. Calgary has its own rules, Red Deer its own. So if your suite Let's say you're buying a property in Lethbridge and it's an illegal suite uh, sure. and you wanted to convert it. Maybe we just touch on some of the details of those changes and how the city views suites.
1: Sure. So first of all, as most realtors, I won't speak for all realtors in Southern Alberta, but most don't actually encourage their clients to change their illegal suites to a legal suite. And the reason is because there's lots of hoops to jump through here in Lethbridge They want you to have two sources of heat. So that requires you adding a second furnace. They want you to have a sprinkler system or fireproof drywall in the utility room, you know, separate laundry, separate entrances, the list goes on and on and on. So it's a little bit difficult to go from an illegal to illegal. What I do encourage my clients to do absolutely is to make sure that all the windows in the bedrooms are egressed because some properties as illegal suites are sold without egress windows. And that is where you get into more liability if you were to ever have a fire or an issue in the property and your tenants couldn't get out, right? So I would say that going from illegal to legal suite in Lethbridge, like I say, takes a lot of permits, takes a lot of time, a lot of paperwork, jumping through hoops, installing different things, getting permits for plumbing, electrical, HVAC systems. And so... To me, the amount of money that you have to put in and amount of time that you have to put in to make that illegal, a legal suite, not necessarily worth it for most investors in town. So most investors don't do it. About 75, I would say, percent of all the basement suites in Lethbridge are illegal suites.
0: Interesting. And I think they had an amnesty period, didn't they? Maybe i am got my cities confused, but did Lethbridge have an amnesty period where they allowed these units to be legalized?
1: They did. So they actually gave you the money. And I believe this was back in the early 2000s, 2006 comes to mind, but they actually gave you money at that point to legalize your suite. Many people took advantage of it, but also many people didn't. So yeah.
0: So if you had a property then you took advantage of it, great. But now they've kind of like just closed the door. And what they've done is in Calgary, if it's pre-2018, they view it differently as opposed to yes. a, a brand new home, which is, I think it's kind of nice because that way you don't yeah. have to do all those building code changes, right? Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Yeah, it's kind of nice to leave it open for, because that way it actually incentivizes people that have these illegal suites to get them legalized. And there can be a bit of an equity gain there. Obviously, when you go to refinance it, it's recognized by that bank, by the lender. Whereas when it's illegal, you're never going to have that money recognized. And same with some liability stuff, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. No, and I think when they had that sort of what you could call amnesty period, I think lots of them did do maybe some items towards legalizing the suite, but also lots were just like automatically grandfathered in. And so when we go into these homes sometimes and I show them, it may be considered a legal suite because it was grandfathered in, but it in no way represents what a legal suite standards or codes or anything like that looks like today. So that's just something interesting to note.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then it depends on your buyer, really. Then, if it's an illegal suite that's very difficult to make legal, maybe it's appealing to an investor, they going to get higher cash flow, but it might detract other buyers because maybe they don't even want the suite, right? Because it's too much. It's interesting dynamic. But so, if you were looking at two properties side by side, one was an illegal basement suite and the other one was recognized as legal, could you kind of maybe share what you'd see maybe in a property equity jump, like value? Is there anything you notice different?
1: Yeah, definitely. Legal suites are usually priced higher and sometimes significantly higher, like twenty to $40,000 more expensive for a similar illegally suited property, I would say. So like me, myself, I do own a property with an illegal basement suite, but I've taken those steps to make sure that it's safe and everything for my tenants. And so they don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it. Like it's all fine there. So me personally, I would buy an illegal suite in order to not have to pay the premium for a legalized suite as long as of course the rest of the numbers made sense.
0: Any concerns? Have you seen this where somebody's bought one and maybe the neighbors are like, "Hey, this suite is illegal and I'm going to complain to the city and anything like that happen?"
1: I have seen that. So what I tell my clients is if you're going to buy an illegal suite, then you have to have something in your lease that states no parties and specifically where they're going to park. Those are the two main ways that I see illegal suites get shut down. I'll say shut down, but get caught sort of by the city So, you know, your tenants take the neighbor's parking space. And so then the neighbor gets upset and calls the city or they have a party late into the night and there's loud booming music. So then they call in a noise complaint and then you get in trouble that way. So those two items really are key to not, you know, attracting attention from the city. But ultimately, they would have to have a reason to come in to check your house anyway. So. Yeah, just make sure that so you tenant, keep good tenant print.
0: screening, obviously tenant yes. screening is critical and then also making sure that they know what the conditions are as well that need to be, you know, so they're not disturbing the neighbours and- Yeah, know, and rent. make
1: sure you're good to your neighbours. Like one of the properties we bought, we had about 15 of the neighbours come up to us as we are like cleaning up and doing landscaping and everything. Thank you so much for making, you know, our neighbourhood look better. This house has sat here for forever and just kind of looked like, you know, not great on the outside. And so it's detracted from our property values and from the way people view our neighborhood. But because we were doing that landscaping, they were more willing to be happy and fine with us and didn't care that we were putting tenants in the upstairs and the downstairs.
0: Nice, yeah. You're adding value, you're cleaning up the neighborhood. So these are all positive things. Yeah. For sure. And then can you maybe just touch on like with investors, do you see many doing long-term renters or short-term, is there much of a, like an Airbnb type of opportunity there in Lethbridge?
1: There is. I'm starting to see more and more investors go that direction actually, because the cash flow is definitely there. But I would say for the most part, still in the city, it's more long-term rentals. So lots of people signing six month to a year leases and lots of tenants staying for even longer than that, you know, six, seven, 10 years in the same house kind of thing.
0: Nice. And what kind of recreational things are close to Lethbridge? Like, could you see opportunities, let's say you have the student rental that obviously only rents during the, you know, semesters. What are these people doing with their properties in the summer? Are they turning them into the short-term rental pool or what kind of stuff are they doing?
1: Lots of the students will actually just pay to keep their spot in a particular rental if they like it during the summer because rentals are so difficult to find in Lethbridge. So lots of students will just pay over the summer to keep their rentals or, you know, you'll rent it to a single family. And so during the summer months or, you know, six months of the year, whatever, so that they can keep cash flowing for you. I find those are probably the two most common, or of course, then you have the Airbnb option as well.
0: Hmm, Yeah, for sure. And then what's the rental market like there? Like in Calgary, I think we have a vacancy of less than 1%. So when someone puts their unit up for rent, they make it 200 inquiries within 24 hours, kind of crazy stuff, right? Uh, what yeah. are you seeing in Lethbridge?
1: Well, I'll give you an example on one of mine. Recently, we posted this townhouse for rent on the west side, and we thought we had priced it maybe a little bit too high. Within about three hours, we had 75 requests to view the property. From that, we showed about 25 people, and from that, we received about 15 applications. So it took us like three days to rent that place out for the number that we thought, oh, maybe this is a little bit too high. We'll see how it goes, but it wasn't. And we received that many inquiries in just that short amount of time. My husband just had to delete the ad eventually because we were getting more and more and more. So,
0: Wow, amazing. Yeah, it gets overwhelming, right? It's just too too many people to kind of go through and filter and respond to and yeah. Absolutely,
1: yeah. If you care halfway about your property, you'll get a lot of great tenants. You know, there's just too many people out there that just don't care or absentee landlords, you know, from different provinces. There's nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of clients that are from different provinces that own rentals here in town, but it's just about like, you know, the frequency of checking up or did you hire a property management company or whatever? Because that really helps your tenants to feel secure and safe and cared about. And so then they'll want to stick around and stay in your rental.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we talked about quadrants in the city. Is there any areas that you would maybe recommend just kind of staying away from, from an investor standpoint? Any suggestions there?
1: I would say there's like a little portion of the north side, maybe I would, just because the rentals in that area don't do as well. But honestly, as long as the property is cash flowing and you're getting the property for the correct price with the amount of renovations or future potential things that you're going to need to fix up, Factored into that price point. I don't really feel like there's any place in the city that's a bad place to buy a rental.
0: That's great. And then, how about multifamily? Do you see much for, you know, like maybe fourplex or multifamily investing happening there?
1: So, I wish we had more actually. But yes, there's some. I have a particular investor that really likes buying multifamily. So, we've bought fourplexes. He bought like a group of three fourplexes. So, it was 12 units. That was really good. So, I mean, there's some, but there's not enough, I would say. And there's actually a higher demand for what is out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I can see that. So, the market pulling back, have you seen like, cause Calgary, the prices have come back, but we're still higher than last year, right? And we, but we know some of these bigger markets, uh, the GTA, you know, it's a significant drop. Have you seen much for pullback in Lethbridge for pricing?
1: So, as far as sales go, October was the first month that year over year we saw less sales than last year. So with that, prices are starting to catch up, but haven't quite gotten there yet. And what I mean by that is we haven't really seen a drop in prices quite yet. From my experience as a realtor, what's happening is that sellers are quite upset, understandably so, that let's say they've missed the boat, right? They didn't list on time during this big boom. And so instead of selling their properties or lowering their price in order to sell their properties, they're simply either re-renting them or pulling them straight off the market because they're frustrated. And so I actually haven't seen the prices catch up or drop. I definitely have seen them plateau for sure. We're not going up anymore. That's a definite, but I feel like we're more in a plateau stage. And I think that over the next month to two months, that's where we will sort of start to see the drop off. But I don't think it's going to be an extreme drop off here in Lethbridge because we didn't, like I say, spike high enough for there to be a massive crash.
0: Did Did you guys go through the multiple offer, the no condition kind of, did you guys have that happen as well there? Absolutely.
1: And there is still some of that going on. I went into one just this week. So there definitely is still some of that going on, but yeah, we went through a time where, you know, there was escalation clauses being used and tons of offers. I think the biggest one I was ever in was like seven offers. And from Lethbridge, that's like absolutely unheard of right like everybody was like you were in seven offer multiple offer, like it was crazy um <laughs> yeah. so in california or whatever they're getting like 50 offers but for me seven was wow that's a lot of offers to deal with so
0: yeah calgary was hitting some big numbers for offers and There's still the occasional property right now that's priced right and it's in the right location that people want that's hitting multiple offers. I think most people are putting conditions in now, though it's not very wise to basically go in without any conditions in any market. But I think in that way, it's more stabilized. It's just occasional property will show up that, you know, a group of people are after. Um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How's the inventory? So Calgary, we have really low inventory right now. What's the inventory like in Lethbridge?
1: We had really low inventory until about, I would say, September, beginning of October. And now our inventory has gone back up pretty much like to where it was before. I would say right now we're around 500 houses total, whether that be townhouses, condos, single family detached in all of Lethbridge that are listed on the market. At the very peak of the market, when I would pull all the houses in Lethbridge, we'd be at about 140, maybe. (laughs) So you can see we've definitely gone back up. So days on market have started to increase, and more and more people are starting to list now, which is, there's pros and cons to it, obviously. But yeah, that's what we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. With the market pulling back and some of these challenges, do you see any opportunities for investors? What do you think? And say, I know we don't have a crystal ball, but do you see some opportunities on the horizon?
1: Absolutely. For the last year or so, my investor clients in this area have just disappeared. They don't want anything to do with multiple offers. They don't want anything to do with high house prices because they have cash. So they don't need to worry about interest rates. And so now what I'm seeing is that the investors are sort of coming back out to do their thing. There's a lot more foreclosures. And so there's lots of opportunities there. It's sad for the people being foreclosed on, obviously. But for the investors, that's what they're looking for to get a good deal on these types of properties. And then also with people who are just desperate to sell prior to Christmas or prior to January, whatever the case may be, they're taking lower offers and they're being more negotiable. And so the investors are able to get more money off the price.
0: Do you see many people doing house flipping? So looking for like maybe property that's in poor condition, maybe an older property. Do you see much of that happening where they're almost like a burr? So they're finding a property, fixing it up and obviously hopefully it appreciates and pulling some equity out.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of burrs. Lots of people like to do burrs around here. Now, a straight fix and flip doesn't work super well in Lethbridge, I wouldn't say. A uh, straight buy the house and then put a bunch of money into it and instantly try and resell it is just not a very common investor practice here. Because like I say, our market just doesn't increase right like yeah. in california for example you put in a million dollars into your property you're able to sell it for three million dollars more right because you added that million dollars and that's just an example just throwing numbers out there here the margins are quite tight for a fix and flip so a burr is a lot more common because you're able to then refinance it pull your money back out and then invest that money back into a different house while that first house is currently being rented so that's the best way in my opinion that people do it around here
0: yeah and and obviously those some of those bigger markets when they're appreciating if you're going to do a flip they kind of ride that appreciation wave too so it's like oh it takes six months to turn this thing around but it just went up 50 grand anyway so it's exactly it's a a much easier market than what we're in right now absolutely and i think because we had chatted before you own a commercial property is that right in lethbridge
1: I actually own it in Raymond.
0: How far is that from Lethbridge?
1: So Raymond is about 20 minutes from Lethbridge. And I sort of split my time actually between Lethbridge and the small towns surrounding Lethbridge. The small towns surrounding Lethbridge are also up and coming and more and more investors are starting to put money in the small towns as well. And so Raymond in particular is probably the best market for that at the moment. So my commercial building is sort of my office building in Raymond that I own with a partner. And we actually rent out, even though it's supposed to be my office building, we actually rent out the entire building to other people a restaurant, a pianist, and a massage lady. Like, so there's just a market for that, for just office space out there. And so people have rented out that building, which has been great.
0: Wow, smart. And how far, what's the drive time from Raymond? Why is Raymond kind of growing? And
1: so it's about 4,000 to 4,500 people in Raymond. And it just sort of has the small town feeling. It's very interconnected, but at the same time, it's starting to diversify. There's two bigger developments going on, and there's probably going to be a couple others coming down the pipe here soon. And they're also talking about putting in more commercial spaces, restaurants, things of that nature as well. And so people like Raymond because it's close to Lethbridge, but it's outside of the city. And so they get a little bit more privacy a little bit more peace, but they can easily commute into their job in Lethbridge every single day if they need to. And
0: prices are probably a little bit lower as well, right? Lower.
1: And they, during this last couple of years, have increased significantly in Raymond as well. But yeah, they definitely have not caught up to Lethbridge prices yet. The lots in Raymond are also a lot bigger. So like the smallest lot that I see is usually about a quarter acre. Usually they're half acre lots. I've sold some full acre lots Stuff like that. So you don't get that in Lethbridge at all. And so people who want a little bit more space or want some more animals or whatever they want to do, garden, they like to head out to Raymond to do. Nice.
0: That. And yeah. maybe you got some toys, RV, that kind of thing, public yeah. parking for that too, right? Absolutely. Any other smaller communities that you're kind of seeing as maybe a potential, you know, place to invest outside of Lethbridge?
1: Coaldale is doing very well. Coldale is an interesting market. It's really boomed in the last couple of years and Coldale was having trouble keeping any houses on the market because so many people wanted to move out there. Coldale is sort of east of Lethbridge and it's sort of a through community. You can drive through it on the highway and then there's new developments out there around the golf course and so that's making up a lot of the influx of people is them moving to that new development area. But Coaldale is another great place that we're seeing investors sort of move their money to.
0: Nice. And you guys, because you're where you're situated, so for like recreational activities and lakes and stuff like that, is it Kukanusa that's really close? Like, I can't remember, maybe I got the lake wrong. Down in the southern part of Alberta, close to the border, there's a lake that a lot of people will go to. Oh,
1: well, lots of people go to Echo Lake, but Echo I think that's lake?
0: across the border.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's cross border. Okay. <laughs> um, the main attraction over here would be Waterton Lakes Waterton. National Park.
0: Mm, yeah, So
1: the other side of Glacier. So we have like Waterton Lake, St. Mary's Dam, Payne Lake we have close by. We might, I'm not sure about that lake. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I always go that <laughs> direction towards the mountains. I probably have so my beautiful. name
0: totally wrong, but. Uh, no, you I, might
1: not. I agree. With
0: <laughs> that's awesome. You've given our listeners such great information all about Lethbridge, investing uh, and, and what to look for. I'm going to hit you with just a, maybe a few personal questions or just quick answer questions. Sure. So. What's an app or a software you use either personally or for your business that you couldn't live without?
1: Pillar 9 is our MLS matrix system.
0: Oh, you have to be a realtor to use that one. You have to be
1: a realtor to use that one.
0: How about one that's okay? Do you use anything like a CRM? What would you use as a one that you've kind of like, hey, I really enjoy using this one.
1: Our brokerage has one. So I use that one. So that doesn't really... Um, help the majority of listeners too much. I would say like just the realtor.ca app. It's great for both realtors and for buyers and sellers. I really like to look at that every day. That would probably be the best one.
0: Okay. (laughs) How about a favorite book? (laughs) Favorite Favorite book?
1: Self-admittedly, I don't read a lot of books. I tend to be more of a movie person, but book-wise, I like anything sort of fantasy or fiction.
0: Okay. What's your favorite movie?
1: My favorite movie that's a great question I've had to think of these better this was like in kindergarten where they made you say all of your favorites or whatever and I never that's knew right. what to write <laughs> I like them all they're great
0: it's <laughs> so. all good okay and then what kind of things do you like to do uh, activities with your downtime what kind of stuff you're doing outside of real estate
1: yeah, so uh, my husband and I we like to camp we have a trailer out in Mountain View and so we like to go camp out in our trailer we like to visit BAM for Calgary and we're foodies so we like to go to nice restaurants And we have a dog named Rosie. And so we take her on walks through the coolies or play fetch with her, stuff like that.
0: Nice. Thanks so much for being on the show today. People are going to be listening to this. They're definitely going to want to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, definitely by text or phone call anytime. So that's uh, my phone number 403-894-9537. Or if you just search my name and French Century 21 on Google, then my uh, business profile will come up.
0: Perfect. Are you on Instagram?
1: Yes, absolutely. French C21 Real Estate.
0: Perfect. And we'll have some links at the bottom of the show as well. So yeah. Sounds great. Great having you on today. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Corey.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician and I hold a Master Home Inspection Certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587-893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at PeckfordCorey or my website is coreypeckford.com. Plus we have a Facebook group, it's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short, please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.